Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com or contact me directly. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. You know, we cover most every sector and kind of aspect of commercial real estate here on the show. I think one of the sectors that's really interesting to me is, is retail, you know, especially for the last really several years, what's been going on really with online sales. Then you add the COVID pandemic and then the work from home and, and kind of the recovery rebound all this. How is retail really performing? Uh, what should be the factors to impact it moving forward? And what should we expect? Please welcome my guest. It's Tom LaSilvia. He's senior economist with Moody Analytics, Reese. Tom, thank you for joining us, sir. Michael, absolutely a pleasure to be here as always. It's great to have a conversation with you. Thank you. And one of the, I think, big questions my audience has is really just really how is our retail properties performing uh, overall? Has, has vacancy really increased uh, th since COVID started and, and what's it doing kind of now uh, as COVID's may, hopefully we're rebounding from that. Yeah, the best word I have for you is resilient, surprisingly resilient. Uh, vacancy rates are up maybe 30 to 50 basis points, right? Sitting at about 10 and a half percent, which is, is not a record high, right? We saw some higher levels, great financial crisis era towards 11 percent. Um, rent declines, sure, they exist, uh, but overall at the national level, one to two percent, a lot of those being concessions, a couple of months free rent to get people going. But we really have not seen a dramatic fall in rent levels or a dramatic rise in, in the vacancy rate. It's, it's been a bit surprising to me, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, Tom, you know, what's causing that? It seems like, you know, people were kind of stuck at home, um, but it seems like consumers have had more savings. They've, they've had seem, seemingly, almost unquestionably, good consumer confidence, right? You know, this has been a really fascinating time for us to study retail in particular. Uh, consumer confidence has gone as, as a roller coaster, to be honest with you. And so, you know, at the peak of the pandemic, we see confidence drop. We see people unwilling and unable to actually go and spend their money. But at the same time, we have government support. We have, at least for most white collar workers, they're maintaining their job. They're building wealth. Some of that through the stock market, some of that through the government support. They're not spending, so they have all of this excess savings. And they, the market, I think during the worst part of this, realized that there was going to be a bounce back. And so I think there's this combination of 
this, this wealth that's just kind of sitting out there. At the same time, the market's feeling good about it. So there's not as much pressure. There's not as much long-term pressure. And when lockdowns relaxed, when people started to feel more confident to come out, we saw retail spending pretty much go through the roof. We thought, saw consumer confidence bounce back dramatically. And I, and I think that's what had happened here is that the, the anticipation of both the consumers as well as uh, stakeholders within the market was that things would bounce back when it came to retail, when it came to spending. We're Americans. We love to spend, right? And so once we got that chance again, we were going to go ahead and, and do that. I'll give you one more little point here that I think is valuable as, as we've, as a, as a econ group, we're thinking about why we didn't see some of the stress level that maybe we anticipated very early on in the pandemic. And it came back to us thinking about what was happening prior to the pandemic. And I think this is an interesting story for everybody. Right, if you think about the few years preceding the pandemic, 17, 18, 19, retail had already been going through a tremendous evolution, right? We saw lots of store closures out there, the pennies, the Macy's of the world going through that, uh, really getting rid of a lot of their, their weak properties. And at the same time, we saw some new newbies entering the fray and actually moving into some of those spaces. Right, sure, vacancy rates were going up a little bit, but overall, if you catch my drift here, we have a situation where the weak were already leaving the market, leaving there the strong, and the strong were, of course, better able to get through the pandemic, and they had probably better capital market backing to actually get through the pandemic, even through the lockdown period. So it's a little, you know, Darwinism here where, where the weak were already kind of out of the market, at least at some level. The strong were the ones that were, were there. And through the period of low spending, they were able to work with uh, the capital markets to kick the can a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. And you think about the newbies, if we categorize them that way, um, they probably have a more omni-channel kind of a new um, business model, right? Exactly, exactly right. So they're, they're already in this hybrid world of, hey, we've got to have this showroom and we have to have an online presence already. And they're, they're already entering this new fray. They, they had a feeling it was coming. So while yes, for many, the pandemic caused them to rip the bandage off and maybe go into the online world as consumers for the first time. Right? I think many of the strongest firms and the firms that were looking forward anyway knew that that was going to come regardless of the pandemic. Sure, this accelerated it, but they were already preparing for it and they were already setting up, the, the market was setting itself up to have this, this situation. Yeah, I think, you know, it happened faster than maybe many wanted it to uh, or many anticipated, but yes, I, I really truly think now with, with hindsight that that's a big part of the resilience we're seeing in the retail sector. Yeah, and it seems like everyone that wants a job, you know, has a job, right? Uh, restaurants, retailers, and others 
kind of really having trouble finding employees. So that would seemingly be another factor uh, beneficial for, for at least retail sales uh, if the manufacturers can, can deliver the goods, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I think we have this situation where those that are confident enough, able enough to go ahead and work, those jobs are out there. Um, certainly, there's a little bit of a hangover from the increase in unemployment benefits. But I think even more so when it comes to the labor market, and I don't think we have to get into this in an extreme extent to talk about retail, but I think once folks are able to send their kids back to school full time, I think that will alleviate some of those pressures and bring even more workers back into the fold for those retail outlets, uh, whether they be um, apparel or restaurants or whatever they might be. I think they're going to have a uh, better luck within the labor market moving forward. But yeah, you know, people have wealth, they're ready to spend, whether it's online or certainly in person, um, definitely through the summer. Yeah, I've been to restaurants where they said, well, it'll be a 30 minute wait. And you, you look in the restaurant and half the tables are empty. And you ask and they say, well, it's because we can't get enough help. Yeah, so, yeah, I have a cafe yeah. nearby that that says, you know, hey, typically we get your meals out in 10 to 15 minutes, but we apologize given current conditions, staff shortages, it could take up to 45 minutes to get your food. And so they're being they're being very clear about it, right? But it's definitely an issue, but I do see it, um, I do see the issue alleviating a bit. I, I think a bigger problem has been the childcare issue, to be honest with you. And I hope to see that getting a little better uh, come this fall and kids getting back to school. Yeah, but I bet the waiter tells you, uh, Mr. LaSilvia, we do have your favorite wine, though, while you wait. Uh, <laughs> they're they're typically very nice about it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what categories uh, in retail uh, are doing well or are maybe uh, struggling a bit? Yeah, great question. And when when folks asked me this question back in the spring of this year, it was autos, it was durables, very, very strong. Then came the better weather, then came the vaccine, and it seemed like a, a switch was flipped, to be honest with you, because when you look deep into the data, it was apparel. It was beauty products, right? It certainly was experiential retail, restaurants, um, things related to travel. And though you saw that really bump up over the last uh, few months, really since the, the mid to late spring and through uh, much of this summer, uh, there was, there was this, this switch that was flipped. And that was extremely helpful for um, malls, neighborhood community shopping centers, power centers, uh, anything related to, to travel, restaurants, right? I think that really, really helped out uh, over, over this past few months. In fact, Michael, one of the most interesting things that we've seen in the data was, you know, vacancy had been either flat or 
or headed headed northward, right? So we saw 10 basis points up here, 20 basis points there, flat another month or quarter. Uh, but actually this past month, we had word for the first time in a very long time that vacancy actually declined. And, you know, monthly data is a little different animal than quarterly data in terms of the reliability. But it's very interesting to see when you look at the percentage of surveys that show negative versus stable versus positive, you definitely saw that movement where you're actually seeing a lot more on the, on the positive side than you had um, in the past, or I'm sorry, on the negative side when it comes to, uh, to the vacancy rate, so vacancy actually yeah. declining. Well, that's, uh, that's good news. And here we are at the end of August. You know, we've had uh, recent just full approval uh, Monday of the uh, Pfizer uh, vaccine and a lot of companies really requiring employees to, to be vaccinated and seemingly more people uh, are willing to get vaccinated. But have the new Delta variant, <laughs> when you add all that together, you know, how's that impact the future of retail moving forward? Uh, yeah, it's a great, great question. And, uh, you know, a month ago, I would have been pretty optimistic for this fall. I would have been optimistic for all of us returning to the office and me not being in my basement right now. I would have been optimistic, uh, a little bit more optimistic about business travel and some lingering fall season uh, leisure travel. But um, yeah, I mean, this is this is throwing us all a little bit from for a loop in terms of, of the Delta variant and the potential for this to shake things up again come the colder months of the year. And I guess where I worry, I don't worry so much about the larger indoor malls. I don't worry as much about the neighborhood and community shopping centers or, or power centers. What I think this affects think it affects urban retail more than anything. I think it affects a lot of those restaurants, a lot of the cafes, uh, some of the apparel retailers that are in mixed-use properties um, in, in dense urban areas that those commuters and some of those business travelers just aren't going to get to this fall, at least at the magnitude that um, a month or two ago I was I was thinking they were going to get to. So I, I think this pushes that recovery a little bit further. Once again, I really don't think we're going to get to a lockdown situation again because of the Delta variant, at least, hey, I'm not an epidemiologist, but it just, it seems like we're a bit past that point as long as everyone takes the precautions necessary. So I, I think from that perspective, we're still going to get people going out and about um, but I do think it affects business travel and I think it affects commuters into some of these dense urban areas. And that has ramifications for that urban retail. Yeah, that's interesting. We're talking with Tom LaSilvia, senior economist with Moody's Analytics, uh, Reese, about the, the retail sector. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think people would think about retail overall as a sector right now that that maybe buyers can get a good deal and, and sellers can't sell properties and maybe uh, cap rates on the rise. What do you see? Subtle rises, for sure. Uh, cap rates for retail were running at a, a sub five, I'm sorry, a sub six around 2018, 2019. Even prior to the pandemic, we saw that level rise a bit. The pandemic, it's gone up a little bit higher. We're, we're sitting right now on averaging around 7% or so 
um, could go a little bit higher. So there might be a few few good deals out there before uh, starting in say 22 to 23, we start seeing that cap rate dip a little bit again. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there are some good deals to be out there. I think the investors have to be aware, of course, as they always are, of, of the solid assets versus the weak assets, right? And I think that's where a lot of, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of the haircuts in terms of prices, a lot of where we've seen higher cap rates, these are, are definitely more on the side of weaker assets, right? The laggards rather than the leaders in the retail space. These are some of the older class BC malls, right? And I know this is a little bit of an older story here, but I think it's still holding true and it's affecting what we're seeing in some of these cap rates. So I don't think there's a tremendous deals out there for the best assets. I think the investors know that those are the best assets from a long-term perspective. Um, if an investor is a little riskier, if they think that there's some repurposing that could happen, there's some good deals to be out had out there for some of these older, smaller local malls that may still have a decent location, but they don't really have the scale and the size necessary to compete in the, uh, in the e-commerce world. Well, it's interesting. You know, we're brokers in the Southeast and we have a retail investment division and um, they're seeing good activity and from properties to be repurposed and, and also just uh, investors buying core stable retail properties. And it seems like they're seeing more activity now. Uh, and some of these buyers and sellers are telling our brokers that they want to make moves in 2021 uh, to potentially get ahead of uh, increases uh, in capital gains and the potential limitation on 1031 uh, to hopefully uh, find their replacement property if they're doing a 1031 prior to December 31st of this year. So we're seeing that as brokers in retail and we're also seeing it in office a tremendous amount in the net lease sector. Wondering as, as an economist and you guys, you, you see it when it actually closes, right? And, and, and report on it. Are you seeing any uptick in sales volume yet that uh, and you know on your end, yeah, we are. We are. The volume has has risen. It for retail in particular, uh, it was quite low in historic standards. Anyway, in 2020, starting in the spring, um, throughout the early months of this summer, uh, we we definitely saw volumes rise really across the board for all sectors. But it was nice to see retail and even hotel a little bit pick up some pace uh, from the transaction perspective. And, and yeah, Michael, I think you know what you're saying there in terms of what brokers are, are thinking through the 1031, some of the issues there, um, changing political environment that may affect uh, investment strategies definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, but when we're talking to some of our our Bigger clients, whether they be um, investor, whether they be on the banking side of things, handling uh, the underwriting, handling the financing, a lot of them are telling us that there's just a great appetite out there for commercial real estate across the board, including retail, especially when it comes to those better assets. But it's, it's, there's just wealth, right? There's a lot of wealth out there. 
a lot of wealth has been um, been concentrated, has grown throughout the pandemic period. Um, capital markets are still very, very active. Uh, stakeholders across the board, lenders are still very willing to get out there uh, with still pretty aggressive interest rates. And I just think that the transaction volume is going to remain strong as long as the Delta variant doesn't really, you know, dramatically affect things. But even even if it does, you know, slow things down a little bit this winter, I think the long term prospects for commercial real estate are fantastic. For retail, there's a bit more uncertainty. But but you brought up the regional aspect, Michael, and I think there is um, I think that's part of the story, too. In the, the north, where I am, some of the Midwest, we were talking Chicago earlier, there's definitely a concern that population shifts are occurring, and not just due to the pandemic, but it's a longer-term trend, and that in retail in particular, that there's been a bit of an oversaturation when it comes to whether it's we're talking malls or even neighborhood and community shopping centers, that there's just too many of them for the lack of population growth. Um, in addition to the competition coming from e-commerce, that I think that's where you're gonna see um, less volume, less stre- uh, more stress on space markets, more haircuts being taken, more repurposing. And if you talk about you know, the Southern Atlantic area, through Texas, some of the West, we're talking the, the mountain states out there, I think, because of the migration patterns, you're going to see uh, more construction, more development happening there. And, you know, for existing properties, you're also going to see more transactions. Yeah. Well, I can't let you go, uh, Tom, as an economist, without asking your opinion um, and thoughts on uh, potential inflation um, and how that may impact uh, interest rates that that we all might expect to uh, pay moving forward. Yeah, great question. We're talking about it quite a bit internally, as well as with clients all the time. Uh, lots of folks showing some fear out there. Um, our our perspective as is this is is truly transitory. I know you hear that word from our folks at the Treasury as well as the Federal Reserve, but that's kind of our our company line as well from all of our economists across the board. Is that we're we're feeling like that this is. Transitory from the perspective of a lot of the spending, a lot of the inflation came from the the excess savings that much of that's been relieved over these past few months, in addition to still some of the uh, supply chain issues. We do expect that as those relieve themselves, that the inflationary pressures, while not completely go away, they become in line with what the Federal Reserve actually desires, right? So if you look at recent history, you saw inflation running, you oftentimes sub below, you know, sub 2%. The Federal Reserve, much happier if it's running comfortably with, you know, in that bound of 2 to 3%. So I think what they're doing, their monetary policy and everything that you're going to see from them going forward is to try to let us run hot for the next 
half a year, a year maybe, some of that because of the supply chain issues still being relieved, some of that due to the extra money that's in the environment from fiscal and monetary policy. So I think they're okay with that, and they're going to watch that closely, but their anticipation uh, is that some of that will dry up, leaving the situation um, for inflation to be in that comfortable 2 to 3 percentage, which then allows them to do uh, which your next point on in interest rates allows them to increase interest rates to get towards that, say, 10-year treasury of 3 to 4%, which I think is a good target for them. Um, back right? That would bring us back to a level that they'd be very comfortable with. And we're kind of going to be done with this this. One to two percent world of of ten year treasuries that we've been living in seemingly forever. It feels like. So, if you had to guess, uh, interest rate uh, increases from today. Here we are, the end of August twenty twenty one, and you kind of looked at maybe a year out or two years out. What would be your guess? Yeah, so I'm thinking the the ten year treasury two years out from now, uh, around three. Three and a half percent. I think it does hit about four percent by by twenty twenty four. So, okay. Well, Tom, anything else you would uh, leave our audience with to think about related to uh, re the retail sector moving forward? Yeah, you know, I think we we touched on on most of what's in my arsenal at this point when it comes to retail. I think you know, in in some here. The resiliency has been very, very interesting. It's been a little bit surprising here and there. Uh, but I go back to an earlier statement that I, I really am I'm coming around to, to fully believe in, which was that the evolution was, was well upon us prior to the pandemic. And so we have strong companies out there, strong retailers, and most of these businesses, these corporations are going to survive and do well in this new era. Yeah, I think the retail e-commerce's share of retail will hit 20% sometime in this decade. And I think that will kind of be a new equilibrium for us to pay attention to. By the way, right now it's around 13%. Um, but I don't think it's the end of brick and mortar. Um, it's definitely not at all. I just think we're going to reach this this happy new equilibrium a little bit later on this decade. Yeah. Well, the retailers will be okay, right? The uh, waiters have learned how to sell Mr. La Silvia more good wine, right? You just have to wait for your table. <laughs> <laughs> at least for now, yes. That's right. Well, thanks for joining us, Tom. We appreciate it. Good information, sir. Thank you, Michael. Look, if you like more, more information, uh, reach out to uh, Tom through uh, Moody's Analytics, uh, Reese, and uh, reach out to the show. Let us know what you think. We appreciate you being with us. We appreciate your opinion. Appreciate connecting with you on social media. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing, site selection, and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit BuxtonCo.com.
by Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success, expert-level commercial real estate broker training, Cloud Access 1, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.